We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast and remember you can always subscribe to the podcast on itunes google play TuneIn, stitcher or spotify and of course you can check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with Andrew Mertig. As always, we are back. We are your Friday team. We're excited to be here. Andrew, how's it going? Yeah, it is really great to be back. This training camp has really snuck up on me, quite frankly. I don't know <laughs> if it was getting carried away with all of the Bucks uh, action that was going yeah, on yeah. or what the deal was, but I, you know, it's upon us. We have training camp stuff to discuss. Um, and it is also episode 1101. Somehow we missed our three-year anniversary last week, which is totally fine. But, uh, you know, this podcast has been around for a while. And uh, I don't know that we've ever had quite as much drama or as much to talk about as we do today. So let's get started here, Kyle. I, you and I have not discussed Aaron Rodgers coming back uh, or Randall Cobb coming on board yet at all. So I know this is like previous stuff but what are your <laughs> thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and, and Randall Cobb yeah we did want to jump back to earlier in the week before we got into the rest of the show and just I mean you, you mentioned it right like it's been crazy in Wisconsin the Bucks have, have you know they've they've won it all everybody's excited about that we've got some great news here about Aaron Rodgers coming back to the Packers uh, Randall Cobb like I mean it's just been it's been a fun week a crazy week it feels like the entire offseason has been just this anticipation, and then now it's kind of come upon us. So, yeah, um, first, let's break this into some sections here. We haven't talked. I'm going to throw this back to you. Where are you at? I mean, we've been speculating where the Rodgers thing was going to land. How are you feeling? Yeah, so I, I've kind of, you know, it's been peaks and valleys, right? Number one, First and foremost, you hear the the news that Aaron Rodgers is coming back to the team. This is awesome for the Packers. It's awesome for Aaron Rodgers. I don't think there was anywhere else he was going to go this year, period. But I don't think that there was any situation he could go into with a more Super Bowl-ready roster mm -hmm. than the one he is entering right now. I think the Packers are that good. 
I think this is an opportunity for Aaron Rodgers to come out, prove that he still is at an MVP level. Obviously, he proved that last year, but that he can continue to play at that level and that also he can, you know, sort of solidify his legacy by winning a second Super Bowl championship. Now, <laughs> we get into this press conference, right, from earlier this week, and it's refreshing to see a professional athlete speak so candidly. He, he was super transparent. He was honest. He was forthcoming. He was all of those things that you want to see. Now, Kyle, I'm probably going to get criticized a lot. For this. I thought <laughs> okay. he was incredibly egotistical. Which is okay. fine. Sure. That's fine. I mean, he's mm-hmm. one of the best athletes in the world. He's one of the most important athletes uh, in the United States for sure. And so, you know, the the ego comes with that. I think that's part of what makes him great. But, like, so much of what he said was all sort of circled around himself. Mm. And I think clearly Aaron Rodgers doesn't quite understand the salary cap and the way it works and that he can't continually be the highest paid quarterback in the league and get all of his buddies back on the roster. Yeah. What the I I thought the main message, though, was. He wants to be at the table, right? Like, I don't know if you're a fan of Hamilton, but he wants a seat at the table. He wants to be in the room, right? He wants to be in the room. Um, and that's great. And I think that's fine. And, and honestly, the Packers probably haven't done that with any player. And I think things need to change, you know, and, and that's where there is fault to be passed around to all parties involved in this situation. But one thing that I will say that is highly concerning to me at the end of his press conference, I don't remember exactly what the quote was, but Aaron Rodgers alluded to the fact that he still is not being involved in those conversations at this point. And and I think that, to me, signals a, a scary moment that if Aaron Rodgers comes out and plays out of his mind again for a second straight year, that the Packers are going to end up losing him at the end of the year anyways, right? Because... Two, you know, two, three days ago, I was thinking this is an open ended situation. We could have Aaron Rodgers back in 2022 and we could see Jordan Love traded. This Mm. this sort of change in contract gives both parties a lot more flexibility right now. I'm thinking that it seems like the Packers front office is being very rigid. Aaron Rodgers even went as far to not say that in in all of the people included, including the city of Green Bay, the Packers fans, his teammates, uh, his coaching staff, he purposely omitted the front office from all of those statements. And I I think he still feels like he is being shut out from those conversations. And I do not think he will be back in 2022 unless something changes with that situation. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you have hit the nail on the head as far as like where this is headed. I think it's a really, really interesting situation. And I do think that the Packers have kind of won this in the sense that they still have the control here. And I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic as we get into the season, because you're right. I want to say a lot of the attention is going to be around Aaron Rodgers in this situation, but I think Brian Gutekind deserves a lot of credit for his press conference and the way that he answered questions in a way that acknowledged the importance of Aaron Rodgers, but also maintained that Aaron Rodgers is not in charge of this football team. There were a few questions that were basically asked and he pushed back and said, essentially, no, like we're not going to just hand him the keys. We're going to involve him, but this is not going to change our philosophy of how we do things and how we build a football team. I'm sure that Aaron Rodgers wouldn't 
have been upset if that was a little bit different, if, if he had answered those questions differently. But the reality is they have this year to figure this out. So if Jordan Love is good, if he continues to make plays in practice and makes plays in the preseason and they see a way forward, they can hold to that line. If Jordan Love does not show those things, then maybe we get a little bit looser with, okay, what do we need to do to keep Aaron Rodgers happy? Because we don't think that we have the future in front of us here. And so I think that those things could get really, really interesting. But for Aaron Rodgers, I think that this could very much be, this is me for him saying, man, like, are you going to, are you going to get to a place where you thought that the grass was greener and look back and think, man, I had a couple of years left in my career and I went to another place. I needed to learn those players. Aaron Rodgers is a rhythm quarterback. He doesn't throw to guys he doesn't trust. And so if it takes him two years to feel it again in the new place, is that too late? And I wonder, you know, if, if he'll look back and say, yeah, man, things weren't perfect in Green Bay, but that was a great place. That was a great team. Those were great people. And I may have he's he's hurt right now. I think that that's what we learned today is like he is human. He was honest. I love the transparency, but he is a hurt human right now. And he's not sure where he stands with the organization. And part of me wonders if, man, if you know that you're being shipped out, if that's the plan, if just gaining a little bit of control and saying, you can't fire me, I quit, like is is just his control of saying, like, I'm going to determine how this ends. And that may not be in his best interest, even though he thinks that it is. So really, really interesting. You mentioned, you know, some of the uh, Aaron Rodgers saying, hey, people come here to play with me, like those kinds of statements that like that is true. But it is also you're right. It's a very egotistical uh, Rogers centric kind of a statement. So, I mean, it's we were given a lot of views into who Aaron Rodgers is, not that it's a bad thing, but it was one of his most transparent interviews to date. And I think will be interesting to continue to unpack that as we get into the season and just kind of watch to see how this marriage works out. Can I be honest about something, though? No. Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, Billy Turner. Did those free agents sign because of Aaron Rodgers or did they sign because the Packers offered them the most money? Oh, buddy. Uh, I would they, say they offered him the most money. That's the answer to the question. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that I think that you're right. I think that there probably is a factor in like I can win here, especially if you're like Adrian Amos, for instance. He knew looking across from the other sideline, I have a better chance to win up there because that guy is there. But, no, I think you're absolutely correct. Money speaks, and it's a cap league. So, I mean, there's there's a, there's a not that, – that strike against the Packers organization doesn't exist because everybody has the same financial ability across the league. But that was another thing, you know, these implications for guys who left. Some of them may have been better if they would have stayed, like Casey Hayward. You know, we talked about, you know, Woods and those guys. But it's not an apples-for-apples apples thing. When those guys walk out the door – it created other opportunities. And you can't say, like, okay, those guys should have absolutely stayed because the roster that was a- able to be kept intact as a championship-level team for so many years was probably because a lot of those moves were made that were really hard to make. So it's complicated. Obviously, Rodgers would love to be more involved in the personnel decisions. Obviously, the personnel department thinks that they know how to do their job well. But um, it's it's interesting. I think we love both sides here. And so as fans, it's going to be really interesting to watch. 
Yeah, do we want to touch on Randall Cobb at all? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> Cobb is back, man. This is... Okay, so, for me, and I don't want to, like, jump too far into this because I know I'm sure you have thoughts. As a fan, I'm ecstatic. Like, this is nostalgia. I love Randall Cobb, one of my favorite players of all time. I don't think that this makes the Green Bay Packers significantly better this year. I think it's great uh, for the mentorship opportunity he's going to have with Amari Rodgers. I think it gives the Packers another trusted weapon for Rodgers, which I think is a big deal. Um, But I, I, I don't think that this is a big big team move that tips the scales uh, a ton, but it's really, really fun as a fan of somebody who watched Cobb for years and years. How are you feeling about Randall Cobb coming back to Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly the fun storyline there where Randall Cobb was coached by T. Martin in college, who is Amari Rogers' father. Yeah. And, you know, Cobb has sort of been a mentor slash big brother to Amari. And so I think that's really cool and will really help with Amari Rogers' development. I agree with you. I don't I don't think Cobb really moves the needle one way or another um, from a, a roster standpoint. Now, you know, maybe they get into a situation where, uh, you know, just like when James Jones came back to Green Bay and had that relationship, even though he was sort of, uh, you know, past his prime at that point, <laughs> uh, he was able to to find the end zone a few times and, and really make some good connections. And I think that relationship will really help out. Aaron Rodgers but you know it's it's interesting to me that you know you're going to overpay a 31 year old receiver who hasn't really done that much since since leaving Green Bay and you know you're you're doing that to appease your quarterback and it just seemed like in the press conference that wasn't enough Mm -hmm. so it's it's interesting to me it's kind of like you know maybe the front office is taking some half measures here to yeah to maybe, you know, stop the boat from rocking too much during the 2021 campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really valuable. If they don't think that love is ready, that they get this other year of Rodgers, obviously. I mean, we're really – don't listen to this podcast and think that Andrew and Kyle do not want Aaron Rodgers back in 2021 because I think we're both really excited for that. But it's just the layers of all the drama – Uh, that will make this very interesting because this is not something that has concluded. I think we celebrate it because we know what we have, but this is in no way concluded. It's going to ripple and we're going to feel it next off season as well. Yeah. I'm just going to say one more thing. I promise we'll actually get to what we're supposed to talk about today. Whatever, man. But this does, you know, as I alluded to earlier, this does give the Green Bay Packers a lot of options, right? This is obviously their best chance to win a Super Bowl this year. Uh They have Every piece you could possibly imagine. And so, you know, without being decimated by injuries, this is a team that should be a deep playoff contender. This also gives the Packers options moving forward. If Aaron Rodgers gets hurt this year, if he plays poorly, they can move on from him very easily. If he plays all right, but Jordan Jordan Love looks really great, in you know preseason maybe even some mop-up duty maybe if Rodgers gets hurt plays you're gonna have the confidence to move on from Aaron Rodgers and get a lot of draft capital if Aaron Rodgers plays out of his mind and you want to extend him and you want to sort of take the New Orleans Saints route and just keep pushing money down the line and you want to open that window a little bit farther for the next you know two or three years you can do that too and you can trade Jordan Love for some draft capital maybe it's not a first round pick 
But I think, you know, you're okay with that in order to sort of extend this run. So a lot of options, a lot of flexibility, and and that's what bringing Aaron Rodgers back into the house does, right? So as much as I I just said a whole bunch of negativity over the last, (laughs) you know, 12 minutes or whatever, um, this is a big deal for this Green Bay Packers franchise. It's going to give us a lot more to talk about during the the podcast for sure. But, you know, you and I are all about roster building, and this is – not the roster building move. So, you know, we're going to take a little bit different look at it. But I will say from a win now standpoint, which is the most important thing from both being a fan and also, you know, following a professional sports franchise, this is the right move. It's a big deal. Um, and honestly, Aaron Rodgers looked excited to be back. You know, he did. As, as, he did. as disgruntled as he may be with the front office, he's excited about everything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, you know, this is going to be a really, really exciting season. If you love listening to us here on the Packaday Podcast, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? Let me tell you, there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for their initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Yeah, I agree, and it is it is muddy because he loves everything else about Green Bay. I think that's part of the problem. Like He loves this place, and he feels like maybe it's running away from him a little bit, and they want to go in a different direction maybe sooner than than he wants so we will keep tabs on this this is going to be an evolving situation but my goodness 2021 is going to be a lot of fun even if it is that last dance kind of a scenario so basically this is going to be the longest show on the face of the planet because andrew and i have fully exhausted this conversation at the top of the show we're excited but we have a full slate of another show here that we have to get into and so if you've been listening to us on Fridays, you know by now that we've been in a series that we really, really enjoy every single summer where we preview the Packers' upcoming opponents. And we have successfully made it through the entire Packers' 2021 season schedule of opponents, except for three teams. And so we're back today to put a bow on this series and cover these final three opponents. Today we're digging into the LA Rams, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Cleveland Browns. So we're going to talk about their free agent additions, their subtractions, of course, their draft picks, and any other notable changes that they experienced this offseason, really in an effort to make sure that you are ready to go when these teams square off with your Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers under center in 2021. Uh, So you kind of know what these teams are made of. So let's jump into this, Andrew. Um, I believe the Rams are at the top of this list for us. Is that correct? They, they certainly are. And if we're looking to make up time on the show, the Rams are where it's at because they didn't do a lot. <laughs> right. Uh, so number one, uh, they re-signed to tackle Andrew Whitworth, Edge Leonard Floyd, who we know is the former Bear, and cornerback Darius Williams, 
who they acquired. It's a pretty short list. They got quarterback Matt Stafford via trade. I'm sure we'll talk about that one a little bit. Uh, they got wide receiver Deshaun Jackson and punter Corey Bjorkas, I think is how you pronounce his name. I don't think he was from the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and who did they lose? Well, they lost Jared Goff, the quarterback, via trade and a whole bunch of draft picks to go with him. They also sent defensive lineman Michael Brockers to the Detroit Lions in a separate trade. Don't know why those two things weren't combined, but oh well. Uh, they <laughs> lost center Austin Blythe, cornerback Troy Hill, running back Malcolm Brown, tight end Gerald Everett, defensive lineman Morgan Fox, safety John Johnson, wide receiver Josh Reynolds, and edge Samson Eck. Uh, Ebucom. Um, and so that's a lot of losses. And, and I'll, I'll summarize that in a moment. But, you know, the Stafford Goff trade is obviously the big storyline of the offseason for the Rams. So do we think Stafford is a significant upgrade over Goff? That's an actual question, not hypothetical. Are you actually asking me that question? I'm actually asking you, do oh, okay. you think Stafford is an upgrade over Goff? I absolutely do think that that is true, that he is a significant upgrade over Jared Goff, yes. Okay, I do as well. Um, and I've mentioned it before, I have money on Matthew Stafford winning the NFL MVP, but there is certainly debate regarding whether or not Stafford really is an upgrade over Goff, and, and we will see. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, I think, is a sneaky good pickup to boost that wide receiver group, kind of uh, making up for the Brandon Cooks loss from a couple of years ago. Whitworth is old, but has been pretty reliable when healthy. You know, Leonard Floyd really rejuvenated his career last year, and cornerback Darius Williams is a solid addition. He played really well last year, and the Rams sort of have some history of being able to plug in uh, just random guys across from Jalen Ramsey and having success. But there are significant losses. You lose Michael Brockers, Troy Hill, Morgan Fox, John Johnson. Those are all really big deals to lose on defense. And then the offense, they also lost tight end Gerald Everett, running back Malcolm Brown, uh, Austin Blythe, who is their center. So this this team just continues to try to prove that four great players can carry a roster of UDFAs. So, you know, we'll see. This is a, it's an experiment unlike any we've probably ever seen in the NFL. So uh, you can talk about their draft class and sort of kind of continuing that pattern. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that you and I would have a really hard time being L.A. Rams fans because of the way that they choose to do their roster construction. That would be very, very difficult for us. But we do know that the Rams are essentially allergic to to picking in the first round. They shipped away a couple first rounds for Max Matt Stafford this offseason, of course. Uh, but they didn't have a 2021 first-round pick either because they shipped that off a couple years ago in the Jalen Ramsey trade with the Jaguars. So no first-round pick in this class and no first-round pick coming to the Rams organization until 2024 as things currently stand. So what they did do, they were in the second round, able to pick up 2-2 Atwell, the wide receiver from Louisville. Third round is Ernest Jones, the linebacker from South Carolina. Bobby Brown, the third from Texas A&M, the defensive tackle in the fourth round. They got a string of fourth round picks here. Robert Rochelle, the cornerback from Central Arkansas. Jacob Harris, the wide receiver from UCF, is actually converting to tight end in the NFL. So that will be an interesting uh, development there to see if he can do that. A little bit of room. As you said, Gerald Everett has moved on. He could stick there and make an impact. Uh, in the fifth round, Ernest Brown, the defensive end from Northwestern. Jake Funk, the running back from Maryland, has gotten a little bit of buzz after the Cam Akers injury. Uh, he came from Maryland and is looking to make an impact as a seventh round pick. Ben, okay, Skoronek, 
from Notre Dame. <laughs> not someone I watched pre-draft at all. And then wrapping up with another seventh-round pick, Chris Garrett, the linebacker from Concordia University, St. Paul. So, Andrew, I'm actually really interested to hear your thoughts on this draft class. I know that this is my section, but I think that this is one of the worst draft classes that we talked about throughout this series. I know that three of them are seventh round picks, so you can't really judge that too harshly, but none of these selections really excite me. Robert Rochelle is a high upside, high risk, high reward kind of selection. Jacob Harris could totally boom if the conversion to tight end goes nicely, but Tutu Atwell is a role player, and I just don't know if he has the traits to overcome being 160 pounds as he converts to the NFL. Uh, He's the headliner of this class, so if I'm a Rams fan, I'm fine, personally, if they continue to sell all of their future picks because I'm just not too excited about the way that this team is evaluating talent right now and using their assets. So I don't know if if that's too honest or how you feel about this class. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, you know, certainly this is not a draft class that would fit well with my board. Um, You know, Tutu Atwell is fine, but I liked him as like a fourth rounder pick potentially for the Packers. Definitely not in the second or anywhere near where where he got picked. Uh, I thought Bobby Brown III is a solid defensive lineman, especially in a pretty weak class. Robert Rochelle just as you mentioned, he's somebody people fell in love with because of that athletic upside. But the fourth is way higher than I thought he'd go. Ernest Brown, the fourth from Northwestern is fine. 
Jacob Harris is really interesting, mostly because I didn't know who he was. Uh, he wasn't a particularly great wide receiver at UCF, but the you know the the idea of converting somebody with that skill set to tight end is always intriguing. Everybody's always swinging the for the fences to try to find the next Antonio Gates, but more than likely you're going to end up with somebody who is you know a tight end three in the NFL when when you're when you're trying to find that uh, once in a lifetime kind of player. So. Yeah, I mean, to me, the class is really just sort of questionable. Yeah, it's a definitely a team that is constructed with lots of star power, and they are going to fill it out with UDFAs and some of these late-round draft picks. And so we will see how that goes with the Matt Stafford era underway here in L.A. You want to turn the page over to the Baltimore Ravens next? I I sure do. And the Packers just continue to not get any break in this late season schedule. Yeah, it's tough. As they, the Rams are a pretty good team. I talked about the Chiefs and the Seahawks last week, right? And we expect both those teams to be really good. I would expect the Rams, even if we didn't like their offseason, to be pretty darn good. Now we're talking about the Baltimore Ravens. Definitely an AFC contender. Mm-hmm. Um, and they went about, they had a ton of moves. Uh, re-signing Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams on the defensive line, in addition to Derek Wolf. So that defense line was very good and can, will continue to be. Tight end Nick Boyle, who is one of the best blocking tight ends in the league, no one knows about. Um, LJ Fort, the linebacker. They got edge Tyus Bowser and edge Pernell McPhee back. They re-signed running back Gus Edwards and also punter Johnny Townsend. Um, and then they acquired tackle Juwan James, guard Kevin Zeitler, tackle Alejandro Villanueva, so really focusing on that offensive line. They got wide receiver Sammy Watkins from the Chiefs and also safety Geno Stone from the Texans. Who did they lose? Well, some big names here. Uh, Edge Matt Judon and Edge Yannick Ngakwe, two of the higher-paid edge players out in open free agency. They also lost wide receiver Willie Sneed, who is somehow still in the NFL, Uh, center Matt Skura, guard DJ Fluker, and then they traded right tackle Orlando Brown Jr., which you would know because they traded him to the Chiefs, who I talked about last week. So a lot going on here, but basically, this is the way I'm summarizing this. Tyus Bowser and Pernell McPhee, who they re-signed, need to step up and be starters to replace Matt Judon and Yannick Ngakwe as their edge players. Now, the Ravens have this history where Mm -hmm. they just plug-and-play edge players, and they're always great. That's a dangerous game to play, just assuming that the next player in line is going to be as good as the previous one. But the Ravens coaching staff has found a way to to make this work in the past. Uh, Juwan James is looking to actually play a snap under this contract. I think that's true. I don't know if you knew that. He signed that massive deal from the Dolphins and Broncos. I don't think he played a snap with Denver. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Um, So there was an injury situation, and then I think he opted out last year. Uh, So that is very interesting. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva and Kevin Zeitler should be solid on the line, but they have to replace Orlando Brown Jr., DJ Fluker, and Matt Skura, as I mentioned before. So some some moving pieces there um, with the heaviest running attack in the NFL. And then, you know, Sammy Watkins is a sneaky good pickup. I think he fits in really well in that sort of like speed role opposite of Hollywood Brown. So um, you'll talk about another wide receiver in, in a minute. But um, I, I think, you know, the, the Ravens always do a really nice job of sort of managing who they can let go to get comp picks moving forward and then who they need to replace those players. Yeah, and man, this draft class as we get into it is a really interesting one because I do always love the way that the Ravens draft. It feels like every year, and I'm not really, I don't really like the Ravens. I I 
my wife is a Steelers fan, so it's against my my blood to root for the Ravens. But every year it seems like they have one of my favorite draft classes. And here in the first round, Rashad Bateman just kind of fell into their lap. We heard that they they kind of stole him from the Packers. They heard they didn't think that they, they were going to get him with their second first round pick. So Bateman from Minnesota goes here at 27. Um, Jason Away, which we've now been told is Odafe Away after the draft process. Uh, he joins them as that next edge rusher. So he's going to be there as an infusion of talent. Ben Cleveland, the guard from Georgia in the third round. Brandon Stevens, the cornerback from SMU. Tylen Wallace, the wide receiver from Oklahoma State in the fourth round. And wrapping it up, we've got five, wow, we got three fifth round selections here for the Ravens. Sean Wade from Ohio State. Uh, Dalen Hayes, the defensive end from Notre Dame. And Ben Mason, the fullback from Michigan. So, again, this is a great class to me. I love the way that they attacked their needs. And Bateman at 27 made me cry a little bit because I loved him. Uh, But then Tylen Wallace in the fourth round was a total, total steal to me. So they knew that they needed upgrades at wide receiver. You talked about Sammy Watkins, and then they did this in the draft. I think that they got really, really talented really fast. I don't know if you could say that the Ravens won the draft, but I do think that Lamar Jackson certainly did. So I'm excited to see if he's able to take advantage of all the talent that they got him this offseason. And then really... If they're able to continue with Odafe away in this line of uh, edge rushers that they just continue to pump out, that would be really impressive. And then Sean Wade, my goodness, like this is someone who was supposed to be the next first round corner from OSU and just totally fell off a cliff. He, he couldn't do it on the perimeter and lost his confidence. But his coaches love him. He's a super talented player. And the Ravens got him in the fifth round, which is totally unreal and just an unlimited potential lottery ticket. So as much as I hate the Rams draft class, I really, really loved what the Ravens were able to do here again this year. Yeah, and I would I would totally agree with you. I think, you know, Rashad Bateman is is a really fun wide receiver, really fits what they needed yeah. um, mm-hmm. to give Lamar Jackson something that, that can be opposite of Hollywood Brown and now Sammy Watkins as well. Odafe away, you know, I talked about the kind of freak unicorn athlete that he is leading up to the draft and so um, they're going to do some fun things with him I think Ben Cleveland is a very much just a Baltimore Ravens guard and I think he's going to find his way into that lineup pretty quickly in his career I agree with you on on Tylen Wallace who you know is not the best separator in the world, but he is a contested catch guru. And and I think, you know, that's going to be a fun guy who's really sort of like wide receiver four or five there anyways. Yeah, so yeah, um, a chance to develop. And yeah, I, I love what you said about Sean Wade. I thought Sean Wade, his, his stock was way too high at the beginning. He had a terrible first half of the season for Ohio State. Kind of got buried by everybody. And then had quietly had an okay second half of the year for Ohio State. And so I think people were a little bit too low on him going into the draft process. He didn't run well, so that did not help his case whatsoever. But I I think, you know, if you want to go somewhere that's going to be a perfect fit for a developmental cornerback, I think Baltimore is probably that place. And so I would not be surprised to see Sean Wade being a really good contributing player in a couple of years. Yeah, so let's flip this over to another AFC North team, and let's talk about the Cleveland Browns a little bit. And their free agency period got started with some re-signings that will not keep anyone awake. So, you know, stick with us here for a second. They re-signed a kicker. 
Cody Parkey, you know, good good kicker there in Cody Parkey, good history. Um, and then the wide receiver Richard Higgins is back with the team. Uh, but they did acquire some players. Edge, Jadavion Clowney is with this team now. Uh, it just keeps kind of drifting around the league. Defensive lineman Malik Jackson comes over from Philly. Cornerback Troy Hill uh, was someone I kind of thought that could interest the Packers with the arrival of Coach Barry, but he ends up here in Cleveland. Edge Tack McKinley gets another go at things with the Browns after not living up to his First round selection with the Falcons. He joins them here in Cleveland. And safety John Johnson might be the biggest addition here. Um, Joins his teammate, Troy Hill, and gives this Cleveland secondary a stud at safety. They also had some departures. They lost uh, Sheldon Richardson, who is unfortunately now with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Edge Olivier Vernon is gone and is still a free agent. I did not realize that, but he's still out on the open market. Cornerback Kevin Johnson. Uh, was someone that left town. Cornerback Terrence Marshall, M- Mitchell. Terrence M- Marshall is a wide receiver. Uh, Terrence Mitchell's gone. Edge Adrian Claiborne. Safety Carl Joseph. Uh, this is funny to me. Who went 14th over- overall in the 2016 draft. Busted his way out of the Raiders organization. Found himself in Cleveland. He's gone now. He's back with the Raiders. So I'm confused. But apparently Las Vegas believes in second chances, and they've given one to Carl Joseph. But he's no longer a Cleveland Brown, which is what you were concerned about here. Defensive lineman Larry Ogunjobi is gone, and Anderson Deho just continues to make his way into our show docs, and he is still a free agent after not being brought back to the what? Cleveland Browns. When I was putting the script together, I usually would stop at a certain threshold, like a certain salary threshold, but I kept going to get to Andrews and Deho just so you had to talk about it. I was going to say that some of those names were, uh, you know, at the bottom, but I understand you just want to throw out the fact that Sendejo is still a free agent. That just helps you um, with your your hatred for Sendejo, I understand. Absolutely. Well, the Cleveland Browns also had a draft class. Uh, and it was a pretty good one, I, I think. Uh, so they have the 26 overall pick where they snagged Greg Newsom the second and broke a lot of Packers fans' hearts, uh, taking the cornerback out of Northwestern. In the second round, they ended up with Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa, the linebacker from Notre Dame. In the third, they got Anthony Schwartz, the wide receiver from Auburn. Uh, they had two fourth-rounders, James Hudson, the tackle from Cincy, and uh, Tommy Tagoy. I don't remember how to pronounce I'm going to go with Tagai, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that's right. Um, okay. <laughs> and uh, defensive lineman from Ohio State. And then in the fifth, they had two selections as well. They had Tony Fields, the second the linebacker from West Virginia, and Richard LeCount, the safety from Georgia. And in the sixth round, they take wide receiver slash running back Dimitri Felton from UCLA. So, you know, I, I get it. Newsom, is, he's somebody that everybody loved in the first round for Green Bay. The, the cornerbacks in Cleveland are just absurd right now because, as you said, they signed Troy Hill, right? So they have Troy Hill and Denzel Ward, right? Yep. Denzel yep. Ward, one of the better young corners in the league. Yep. They have Greedy Williams, who was drafted in the second round just a couple of years ago. Really fantastic upside there. And then Greg Newsom. Yes. Yikes. Okay. And their secondary. safeties are really deep, too. Like, their secondary is amazing. 
They also got Uosu Kormo in the second, and I honestly think that that was one of the steals of the draft. Now, mm-hmm. he's sort of positionless, and you're going to have to figure out how to play, but linebacker was a big, weak spot for the Browns. So to be able to take Newsom in the first and then yeah. get Uosu Kormo, who you might have wanted to take at 26, bounce all the way down to 52 and snag him there, that's a big deal. Um, James Hudson in the fourth was somebody that I identified as as an interesting pick. I talked about him being a guy with the potential to be, you know, maybe we look back in two years and or well, maybe three years and he's the best tackle in this class. And it wouldn't totally surprise me. He has that kind of physical ability. He just moved over from defensive line that he played at the University of Michigan to when he transferred to Cincy playing tackle. And he doesn't know what he's doing yet, but he has all the physical tools you would look for in an elite level tackle. I think, you know, to go, I keep messing up his name. Yeah, just say I, to guy. Just go with it. To guy. I don't like that. To go. Uh, fields, <laughs> fields, the second account. They could all see the field and d- certain defensive packages. I don't know how those guys are going to make the team at this point, but um, you know, it's fun. Tony Fields, the second, is an interesting one because he's sort of redundant with Owosu yeah. Koromoa, but a fun special teams player for sure. LeCount as well, but I don't know how he's going to make the team with the depth at safety that they have. And then, you know, Demetric Felton is a fun gadget player. He was just absolutely incredible at Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, those guys don't always necessarily make it big in the league, but he could have a role on this team as well. So any thoughts on the draft class? Really just, I mean, you... You just you talking about this team makes me realize how good the Browns could be. And I think there was a height point for the Browns where we thought, you know, this is the ascending team in the AFC. And then maybe it's because the wide receivers didn't pan out to be the stars that we thought that that group was going to be. And then maybe Mayfield is just not the I don't know. He's not the top five quarterback that people thought that maybe he might become. And so maybe we've cooled on the Browns. But my goodness, this roster is loaded. Uh, I think the defense kind of flies under the radar of how good they could be from the athleticism in the secondary. And then you you talk about the, the linebackers just putting that out on the field. Man, this could be a scary team. And you're playing them late in the season, which isn't great because it gives them time to gel and pull things together. So Browns, maybe maybe the, the NFL ESPN hype was a little bit early on them, but I think that they could be a scary team this year. Yeah, they're still an incredibly young team, too. Yes. And so a yeah. lot of upside there. Um, I think, you know, with the the growth and development of some of their players, they could truly be a scary, scary team in the AFC. So uh, when will the Packers play these teams in 2021? Well, uh, we got the Rams at Lambeau Field in week 12. That's a Sunday late afternoon game. Packers have a lot of those 325 kickoffs this season, Uh, but that one's going to be on November 28th. So I'm sure the Rams are not going to appreciate the weather Coming from L.A. Uh, on week 15, Sunday at noon, the Packers play at Baltimore. That's on December 19th. And then Sunday afternoon on December 25th, which uh, sounds like Christmas to me. Week 16, Cleveland Browns at Lambeau Field. Doesn't get a whole heck of a lot better is gonna than that. Be Two of the original fun. franchises. Yeah, the, an old AFL versus NFL matchup and. uh that that should be a good one, as yeah. as you mentioned. But man, this late season schedule for the Packers stinks. It is really hard. And then we close they, out the season with some divisional games. And man, it's just it's going to be important. And these are going to be, you know, that that Cleveland game is an out of conference game. 
shouldn't matter, but it's going to be one of those that's going to be, you got to win it just because of the games at the end are going to be those divisional games. So it's going to be tough. Yeah, this is a schedule that's definitely backloading. You and I, as we went through these games, we were talking about like, well, if Jordan Love is your starter, like you might be in these games. They might be close. We expect the Packers to win a lot of those early season games. They should be favorites, right? You can't guarantee yeah. any of that, but they should be the better team in a huge chunk of their first half of the season schedule. Um, mm-hmm. This second half, there's going to be a lot of tough ones out there. So yeah. we'll we'll see how you know things go. And obviously, football is really unpredictable, and that's why we love it so much. So <laughs> um, that's what the Packers have facing for their schedule. We'll have to figure out something new to talk about next week. But uh, that's been uh, this has been all all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star rating if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. And next week, we'll be back to discuss what is going on at Packers training camp. And please go out and subscribe. We have so much awesome content coming at you the next few weeks leading up to the regular season. But thank you so much for listening. And as always, remember... Go! Hey, go!